Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right. Uh, we are starting a new series today called Facing Monsters. And uh, today, you know, is Halloween. And if you're into the whole trick-or-treating thing, I just want to say, I don't know if you guys know, but when Halloween falls on a Sunday, all the kids in the church have to give 10% of their candy to their preacher. I don't know if y'all know that. Sorry, I know parents probably take about a 50% cut right off the top. But hey, you're preparing you for life. That's the way taxes work, right? So anyway, uh, but we're talking about facing monsters. And we are looking at a few weeks worth of different monsters that all of us face. Now, we know that monsters aren't really real. But there are some monsters in our lives that really kind of scare us and take control of us and make us uh, think ways that we shouldn't think. And they steal our joy. And today we're starting off with the big one that probably a lot of us would maybe think about and it's fear. Um, You may remember one of our presidents used to say the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. But fear is a powerful thing and there are a lot of different phobias out there. Has anybody got a phobia they're willing to call out and say what your phobia is? Nobody? Fear of speaking out in public? (laughs) Heights? Fear of heights? Anybody else? Spiders? Centipedes? Okay. Little kids? (laughs) <laughs> what's yours cockroaches I, I, can, uh, I can get down with that Any, anybody else there's all kinds you know how about claustrophobia has anybody got fear of tight spaces um, I, I know a couple of people I've met a few people in my life who have a fear of birds I kid you not and that one of them is my aunt, and she particularly has a fear of birds and a claustrophobia, so a fear of tight spaces. So she said the way to give her an instant heart attack is to put her like in the back seat of a little car with a bird, and she's gone. I mean, she's done. And, you know, but life is like that. There's a lot of different fears that are out there. Um, some people don't like needles, you know. Um, uh, Luke, my son, who I got to play on stage with my son for the first time ever. Isn't that really cool? Isn't that cool? Um, so that was cool, but he has uh, kind of a dislike of needles, at least when he was younger, and there was a time when he was like, um, I don't know if he was 16, uh, no, I think he was like 7 or 8 or 9, he ran down the hallway of the doctor's office, basically buck naked to try to get away from a shot, so, yeah, you do it again, that's right, that's right, so it was, it was a couple weeks ago, but anyway, but there's a lot of different phobias that are out there. Some people, public speaking, doing what I'm doing right now, is terrifying to people. Um, some people said snakes. You know, I mentioned birds, small spaces, heights. You know, all, how about sharks? Anybody got a fear of sharks? You know, at least when you're in the ocean. You know, my wife does not like the ocean a lot because of that. She likes to go sit on the beach, but she doesn't like to get in. I'm like, that's, that's crazy. We got to get in this thing. But fear is a powerful thing. Am I, am I right? I want to tell you about a time that I was really scared when I was uh, like a junior in high school. I was dating this girl, and she lived way out in the boonies. And this was, of course, back before everybody had a cell phone. Uh, I know kids don't even understand that concept, before cell phones. But that's what BC stands for, I guess, before cell phones. But (laughs) before cell phones, we were traveling, and there was graduation for the senior class that night. And we were going to her house, and a huge tornado came through the area. Everybody had to scatter and get out really quick, and there was trees down on the road and all this sort of stuff and so we literally had to drive down a canal bank uh which is like 
basically like a huge ditch, and it was muddy and slippery, and we thought we were going to slide in several times, but we finally make it to her house. But it took so long, and we didn't have cell phones to communicate with her parents. Her parents were starting to freak out because there was tornadoes in the area, so they get in their car, and they go looking for us, thinking, hey, they've fallen in a canal or something like that. That's country life. And so I would never think about if they've fallen in a canal, but they probably considered that. So they go out looking for us. So we cross paths somehow and, and we miss each other. We get to her house and the power is off everywhere. As we get closer to house, we can tell that. And the houses are really scattered. It's really, really rural. And so n- neighbors are like a long ways away. But it's, I mean, I thought it was dark out there before, but it was, I mean, pitch dark. I mean, just as dark as dark can be. And so it's a little bit creepy. We pull up to their house. We're like, huh, their parent, her parents aren't here. We're like, okay, what's going on here? But we walk in the door. And let me stop right here. She had told me different stories about her house and what happened where her house was built. And I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but she told me some, some freaky stories. And so, you know, I've got this in my mind. It's a pitch black house. We walk in. The power's out for miles. We walk in the door. And the lamp in the living room is slightly glowing. And I'm like, ah! you know, and I'm like running out. I'm running out. We walk out. We get out of that place. And we're like, you know, catching our breath outside. We're like, what in the world? The power's out. I mean, we look around. We're double checking, right? Nobody else. We can see that, you know, about a half a mile down the road. No other neighbor has any lights on. It's a farm area. Nobody's got these lights by their barns or nothing. Nothing's on. And we like peek through the open doorway again and we can see the lamp is on. And so I decide that, you know, whatever is causing this, I'm going to go in. I get my courage up and I walk in. I'm like kicking open doors and I've got my finger gun like this. I really, I mean, I, I, I literally did that. I kid you not, I was 17 years old. But hey, I was scared out of my mind. And so I'm like kicking open doors. Who in the world has this? generator they decide they're going to walk in and plug into one lamp and scare people you know I'm like I don't know what I was thinking but anyway we we never figured out what it was I guess it was some kind of weird power surge thing but I'm telling you for a few moments I was terrified because I've been told all these stories fear is a powerful powerful thing it will make you freeze up Uh, you know, if you've ever, I'm not really super afraid of heights, but I've been in some situations where I had to take a big step up on heights, uh, from one thing to another. And it was like shaky. And I'm telling you, like your knees will start shaking and you can't control it. And you're like, stop. And it won't do it. It's like, Oh, I'm doing this. It's fun. You know, (laughs) your knees just shaking going. Fear can control you. And even if it isn't something like heights or snakes or birds or needles, A lot of us have fears when it comes to following Jesus. Because honestly, in the United States and most of the Western part of our world, it's fairly easy to be a Christian. It's really easy. And we don't know what persecution's like. But even still, the levels of persecution that we face sometimes will drive us into fear where we don't want anybody to know that we truly follow Jesus. And it comes out in small ways and it comes out in big ways. Maybe your fear is just something small like, I don't know if I can give more time to serve at church. Or I don't know if I can give of my finances because I don't know if there'll be enough to pay the bills at the end of the month. Or I don't know if I can tell my neighbor, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And you might not ever say it out loud. You might not ever say it out loud. But fear keeps us from experiencing all the good things that God has in store for us. And maybe, just maybe, I want you to to think about this for one second with me. If you've been living this Christian life, 
and you feel like it's a little bit hollow, a little bit empty, let me challenge you to consider that maybe, just maybe, maybe you've got some fear in your life that's kept you from truly experiencing what God has intended for you to experience. And so let's look at how we can move past fear. And there's a fear when we decide, am I going to step out in faith and do what God is calling me to do? Maybe God won't show up. Any of you guys remember the movie um, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? He goes through these challenges at the end because they're searching for the Holy Grail. And there's one that's called the Leap of Faith. And I believe it's like a lion's head, maybe, I can't remember. And he walks out on the edge and there's a lion's head and there's this huge chasm that is just massive. No way you could jump. And he's got the size. He ultimately he looks at his little clue book, you know, of all these clues. And he's like, leap of faith, leap of faith. And he takes the book and he takes his leg out and he steps out. Boom. And what he doesn't see is that there's actually a little bridge there. But he had to take that leap of faith because you could not see it. And so he takes this leap of faith. And God is calling every single one of us to take some type of leap of faith. And not just one. I wish I could tell you it was just one, but when you go and take one leap of faith and you get pretty comfortable with that, God's going to say, time to go again. Let's do it. You know, he's like, he's that friend. He's like, come on, you know you want to, you know, he's like, come on, you know you want to do it. You know you want to do it. But he's got good intentions for you, unlike that friend that, you know, I just imitated that you all had. You know, he might not have sounded like that or she might not have sounded like that. But you have this fear, if I step out of the boat, like we talked about a week or two ago, what happens if I sink? Y'all with me on that? What happens if I sink? What happens if Jesus doesn't reach out and grab my hand and pull me out? And that's why 11 of the 12 stayed where? Right in the boat. They stayed right in the boat. So what do you do when, when fear is, is shouting at you and God is saying, move, move, move. And fear is just saying, no, no, no. Or God is saying, stand right there, take your ground, stand your ground. And fear is saying, run, run, run. What do you do when fear is screaming at you, when God says, Say, stay or stand? Nebuchadnezzar was a king of Babylon. And they overtook the Israelites and they took people into captivity. And three of the best and brightest young men were guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he took them captive, and uh, along with many others, and he decides, he was, a, he was a proud guy for most of his life. And so he builds this 90-foot statue that he wants people to bow down and worship, an image of him. And so he sent out word to all the land. He said, when you hear all the band playing, all these instruments, and it lists them off. He says, when you hear the band playing, I want everybody to stop what you're doing, and I want you to bow down to this 90-foot statue of moi. You know, he's that kind of guy. He says, bow down and do it. And so everybody's sitting there and, and most people, it never even considered. And I'll be honest. Can we pause for just a quick second? We all know what a culture of fear can do. And people will just stop in massive droves all through history. It's been that way. People say, I don't believe in that thing. I don't believe that that king is good enough to do that. He doesn't deserve that, but I'm just going to bend the knee anyway. And it never even crosses their mind that I might stand. But three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decide we are not bowing to any other God because we serve the one true God. And so when it comes time, when the music plays, they take their stand. And can you imagine the, the power of that visual? 
Can you imagine the power of that visual of just standing there and there's probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of people in this courtyard because they're kind of higher up guys and they're in the, probably the heart of the city. There's this thousands of people that are all bowed down before this dumb metal idol and you're the only three. And when you read it in a, in a Bible story, when you read it in words on a page, it's easy to just do that. Make it a story. Am I right? But this was real life. And these guys had to muster the courage to stand. They didn't know if anybody else was going to stand. They probably had a good guess that nobody else was and nobody else did. And some other leaders that were from Babylon didn't like that. And so they decided to stir up trouble. So they go to Nebuchadnezzar and said, oh, don't you remember, O king, that you made this decree that when the music plays that everybody's supposed to bow down? He's like, yeah, I do seem to recall that. I built a 90-foot statue. Yeah, it's so funny how they try to be tricky. But that's what they did. And so he said, yeah, I do remember that. And they said, well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow. He's like, what? And he is furious, he's enraged, he liked these guys, but he is enraged. And he says, okay, you think think you're so big and bad now, if you want to keep standing, I'm going to let you stand and I'm going to toss you into the fiery furnace. He had this massive furnace and it says that he heated it up seven times hotter just so that it would be extra hot and extra painful for them for the few moments that they were still alive when they were thrown in this fire. He said, I'm going to show everybody. Because that's what happens when you're just a bully leader. You have to intimidate everybody into doing what? Following you. And so he said, I'm going to throw them in. And it says that it was so hot, what? That the guards that threw them in, what happened to them? Do you remember? They died from just getting close enough to throw these three men in. These guards did. And you would think, oh, this is the end of the story. But if you know this, here's what happens next. Look at Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Before we get into this, I want you to think about this. Faith and taking a stand in faith is scary. We recently talked about following Jesus requires faith and faith requires fear. And on on the surface, that phrase may sound kind of weird because you think, well, if I have faith, there's not going to be any fear. But for you to ever need faith, there has to be a little bit of what first? Fear. Because if you're comfortable with it, does it require faith? No. You know, for most of us, we get in our car, we don't have to sit there and pray. Now, I got an old junky truck, but most of us don't have to sit there and pray when I turn the, you know, the ignition that the car is going to start. You know, some of y'all know my life and know how that is. You know, you're right there with me. You're like, oh, Lord Jesus, make this thing start. <laughs> you know? But most of us don't have to do that. Most of us, when we go to the light switch on the wall and we flip it, we don't have any question as to whether what? The light's going to come on. It doesn't take any faith. But we need faith. There's fear that causes a need for faith. And so it's the idea that something requires faith on our part. It has to be something that we're uncomfortable with. Or something that we're fearful of. Otherwise, little faith is necessary. So you see these three guys in Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. It says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered them and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready when you hear the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who, he asked the question, 
Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And they're thinking, oh, just wait and see, buddy. Just wait and see. So I didn't even include this in my little brief retelling of the story, but he gives them another chance to bow down. Can you imagine the courage to muster up to stand when everybody else is? But then can you imagine mustering up the courage again to stand before the king himself and not bow down? These guys had tremendous courage in the face of fear. And so what I want you to learn from them and I need to learn from them is remember God's power. Because I'm telling you guys this. I I don't know. I I, I wish I could paint this picture even more clear. And maybe you're right there with me. But put yourself in a situation like that. Can I stand when everybody else is bowing? Everything is running through your minds. And what's probably one of the first things that goes through your mind? It's okay. You can bow right here, but everybody knows that what? In your heart, you're not really bowing. You're not really bowing. You know, um, when I went on a trip to Mexico, and we're actually getting ready to sign up to begin taking people to Ninos to Mexico this year. One of the things that we do is we view the big cathedral in the heart of Mexico City. And one of the times that I went, I heard a really interesting story is that they used Aztec Indians there, the local Indians, to help build. They were great craftsmen, and they helped build the big Catholic cathedral. Well, a lot of them, they forced them to convert to Catholicism, and they said, okay, guess what? You're Catholics now. And they didn't really like it, but they knew their army was stronger, and so they kind of went along with it, and they started building this. Well, they had to build these statues statues on the outside of the cathedral of the different saints and they told them they said okay now at certain times you're going to bow down you're going to worship these saints on the outside of this cathedral and so they knew this was coming so these craftsmen these Aztec craftsmen do you know what they did they took some of their idols of their own gods and they put them inside those statues of the saints so that every time they were told they need to worship and bow down these, these saints, they were truly doing it, but they were only really worshiping what? Their own gods. They hid their gods in there. And so it's really easy to justify and say, well, I know who I'm truly worshiping, right? Or you can fill it in and, you know, well, I'll do it this once, but I won't do it again. I'll do it in front of the king, but I won't do it when I'm around my friends. I'll stand up and I'll take a stand. I'll I'll be the man. I'll be the woman. It's easy to justify, and all these voices are going in your head, right? These voices are going in your head when you're forced with this moment of fear or faith. You're forced, and you're, you're questioning, you're wondering. Remember this truth. Remember God's power, that God will fight for you. Y'all hear that? God will fight for you. Look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They said, we don't even have to answer you, man. We don't even have to say a word because our God will fight for us. And you and I need to understand that oftentimes that's all that God is asking us to do. He's saying, just stand. Just stand and I'm going to do the rest. But that takes tremendous faith, doesn't it? You know, Noah looked like a nut job when he was building the ark on dry land and it had never rained before. Did you know that? It had never rained until that point. He looked like a nut job and people scoffed him and they made fun of him. They laughed at him, but he kept hammering those nails. Kept hammering those nails in faith. He was willing. 
Uh, did, I say, did I say Moses or did I say Noah? I said Noah. I said Noah. Okay. Just check it. I'm replaying in my brain. Y'all don't know what's going on in this hamster wheel. I mean, it's just... But you know that you need to stand even when other people don't. And these voices are going to tell you it's time to sit down or it's time to run or it's time to flee. They said, we don't even need to answer you. They're saying, look, Nebi, you don't know who you're messing with. Our God is greater than anything that you can do. 90-foot statue, whatever. Our God spoke and the earth came into being. Bam! There's light. Bam! That fiery furnace ain't nothing, man. You know, God's like, and flames come up, right? He can do whatever he wants. He is God. He is God and he is powerful. Remember God's power. Remember the reminder of Scripture. Remember the reminder of Scripture. Now, here's, we talk a lot about reading the Bible, but guess what? That's what we're supposed to do. You and I, when we get in these binds, these moments of fear, these moments of faith, what am I going to do? The lies will scream and they will shout. Am I right? These lies will, will shout in our ear and they say, God won't be there. God won't be there. He's not going to show up. He's not going to be there for you. If you don't bow down, you're going to die. You're going to die. There's no way that God will, share, will save you. But if you have put God's word in your heart over and over and over again, the truth can speak over the lies. But when you get in the situation, if the scripture isn't hidden in your heart, it's not going to be there to speak over. And, and you're going to be hoping and reaching and grasping for any kind of truth, but the truth won't be there. So each of us need to do all we can to put Scripture in our heart and in our mind so that we can be ready when the moment comes to stand in the face of fear. When you look at Scripture, you're reminded that God has been faithful in the past time and time again. He's batting a thousand, folks. He's never let his people down. Did you hear me? He's never let his people down. Everybody on Facebook, he's never let his people down. We have, he's always been faithful. And so when you see he's been faithful in the past, it reminds us that what? He will be faithful in the future. He'll be faithful right here and right now. But there's also the reminder, the reminder of thankfulness. So when fear screams lies, Scripture steadies with truth. But we need to have that reminder of faithfulness. Sometimes the fear is so loud we can wonder if we are the exception to the rule of Scripture. Uh, am, am I the only one that thinks like this sometimes? Thank you. I appreciate that. Even if, even if you don't understand what I'm asking. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. I read Scripture. I know it's true. I believe it. I've seen God be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. But then sometimes when it's me, I sit there and I think, yeah, but I'm messed up. And I'm doing something that's blocking the blessing of God. Lie! Who am I? Who are you to put yourself above God and say that the power of your sin is greater than the power of our God? Shame on me. Shame on all of us if we think that. If you didn't know better, that's okay. Now you know. Now you know that God is greater than anything that's in your life. And so the reminder of thankfulness, what you and I need to do daily is stop and pause and say, Yes, God, I see you did that. Yes, God, I see you did this. Yes, God, I see you did that. Here's what I'm saying. Oftentimes when we pray and when we're struggling, when we're scared, when we're in fear, we pray. And it, it comes really easily then, doesn't it? 
But what most of us tend to do is we forget to go back and say what? Thank you. When God answers our prayers, and he always answers our prayers. Sometimes it may not be in the way we want, but we often forget to go back and say thank you. I had one of the most cool experiences of my life back when I was in Bible college. It was Roanoke Bible College, now Mid-Atlantic Christian University. And a group of guys, not forced, got together and we said, hey, we're going to get together at curfew each night. We had curfew back then, and we're going to do a little prayer group. So a bunch of guys piled into one dorm room, and we started taking prayer requests and praying together. And somebody had the brilliant idea because it was not in my nature, but they had a brilliant idea to, idea to get a notebook and start taking notes of the prayer concerns that were there. And they dated them and all that sort of stuff. And we kept this book for the whole semester. And so what we would do is each time we come together, we'd look back and we'd see, oh man, look, God answered that and God answered that. And the truth was is that we didn't realize how much God had answered all those prayers except when we did what? Went back and read and took note of how much he had done. And so what I'm saying is you and I need to make sure that we are mindful of God's provision. Of God's goodness. Of how he shows up. Write things down. Say thank you out loud. Store it in your brain. And put a marker on it. Say God you've been good. You answered my prayer in this small way. In this medium way. In this big way. So that when the moment of fear comes. When the moment of fear comes. We can know that God has always been faithful. Not just to the saints in scripture. But to you and me. The reminder of thankfulness. Remember God's wisdom. Look at verse 18. When fear cripples, remember who you are and who God is. Look at verse 18. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. These men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments. They were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent. And the furnace overheated, the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not? Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. He looked and he was stunned because he saw the the guards, their bodies drop as soon as they got close and pushed those men into the furnace. And he was stunned and he said, didn't we just put three? But look, there's four and they're walking around. I like to think they were dancing. You know, I like to think they were, yeah. I've been doing something, sprinkler, cabbage patch, be like, whatever this thing's called, can opener, I don't know what it is. I used to be able to, now I'm not going to do it now because y'all, we go viral we go viral, but I used to be able to like hold my foot and jump through. I used to do that. I was like a B-boy. You know, I, I could do it. But now I'd go, bam, and just bust that TV. Like, hey! <laughs> you know? 
But here's the thing. I, they, I think they were probably dancing. They were celebrating. They're in there in the midst of this fire. And it says that their fourth one looked like a son of the gods. Most, most scholars believe that that was the pre-incarnate Jesus. I, I like that idea. I like the fact that Jesus came down from heaven before he was ever born and says, look, I'm going to go hang out with these boys in the fire. And we're going to show old Nebuchadnezzar just who God really is. Not some 90-foot statue, not some fraud, not some fake, but me. I am God, and I can spare even through the flames. Remember God's wisdom. Here's why I say remember God's wisdom. God isn't bound to respond to you and me the way that we think. How many times have you almost shook your fist and demanded God answer you right now the way that you want? Maybe you wouldn't be so bold to say it that way, but that was what was in your heart. You know, God's not bound to respond the way that you think. He sees the big picture, family. He sees the big picture. And we have such simplistic minds that we think that we know better how he needs to answer. And so we would think the only way for God to save those three men is for him to change the mind of Nebuchadnezzar. And say, okay, I changed my mind, everybody else bowed down, but these three guys are good. But that would mean that God would have to literally change his will and and force him. And and we see in scripture, God doesn't, now God will nudge, God will push, God will lean on people. But he doesn't necessarily change people's will too much. If they've already decided they're going to reject God, it says he might harden their hearts to push them farther down that same path they've already chosen. But he doesn't change people's will. He didn't like zap Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar's like, it says his face changed, you know, he was angry at these guys. And then it's like... Oh, that's okay. It's all groovy, man. (laughs) You know, he didn't do that. God chose to save these guys in a miraculous, powerful way by allowing them to be punished by being thrown into the flames because God knows what will show his power and his glory better. If, If Nebuchadnezzar had just changed his mind, you know what everybody would have said? First, it wouldn't be in the Bible. But second, everybody been said, look at Nebuchadnezzar. He is a merciful guy. And Nebuchadnezzar would have gotten all the glory. But because they were thrown in and God saved them through the fire, that's how God gets the glory and more people get to know about him. They know that God is truly God. God's wisdom is greater than ours. Because these three men, they answered it very wisely. They say, God can save us, but if not. But if not, God is still God. Now, that's my paraphrase because he knows best. God's wisdom is perfect. And remember God's plan. Look at verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servant of the most most high God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw the fire had not any, had any power over the bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, and set aside the king's commands. He points out that they had denied him, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. 
Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who was able to rescue in this way. Then king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now, that's a lot of stuff. But do you see the wisdom of God and the power of God in that? Not only does he save those three men, but he totally flips, not because he changed his mind with some magical zap power, but by the power of the testimony of faithful people, Nebuchadnezzar's mind was then changed. Did did y'all hear that? This enemy of God who set himself up as God decided that our God was the one true God because faithful people stood up in the face of fear. And that's when his power showed up. And not only did he say, I believe in him, he said, Nebuchadnezzar's a little bit out there. He says, I'm going to rip anybody apart that doesn't believe in this God. But he went to this far extreme because that's how convinced he was by the power of God. So the presence of Jesus is more evident in trials. And that's why sometimes we're going through difficulties. That's why we're going through moments of fear. Because we see the presence of God like he was there in the fiery furnace with them. When you are in the midst of your fiery furnaces, your trials, your troubles, your fears, God will show up in a more real way. If you never encounter fear, you seldom have need for Jesus. And so we see his presence more. We feel the power of God more during hardship. As much as we don't like hardships, we feel the power of God more. You see, they were thrown in the fire and they hadn't even been harmed. It said they didn't even what? Smell like smoke. You know what that's like? That's incredible. They didn't even smell like smoke. And so the power of God is felt more in hardship. There was no doubt that God was responsible because they went through it in this way. We get into difficult situations and God carries us through and it shows his great power. And the purpose of God is magnified in obedience. When you and I faithfully move forward or we wait or we obey and we trust God's deliverance, God shines brighter. I got to take your minds back to that for just a quick second. Nebuchadnezzar completely flipped his mindset. Why? Because he saw faithful people who were willing to trust their God in the face of thousands and thousands of people who bowed down. They trusted God and they took their stand. Now God may be calling you to kneel to him when everybody else is standing. Or God may be telling you to go because he's got somebody that you need to meet. Or God may be telling you to stay because you need to bless some people in your life that are right here and right now rather than run and flee. But whatever God is calling you to do, it's time to remember that his power, his wisdom is perfect. And he's always been faithful. There's a simple phrase that I think we should remember. Fear freezes and faith moves. Fear freezes and faith moves. God may be telling you to stand when everybody else kneels. God may be telling you to kneel before him when everyone else stands and walks away. He may be calling you out of the boat onto the waves. So when fear is overwhelming, remember God is faithful. He didn't save David behind the Israelites' front lines, but he saved him when he put that stone into that sling, didn't he? 
He didn't give Goliath a heart attack when David was back there angry at the way that guy was talking. He made him a part of the answer, didn't he? He didn't save Peter in the boat, but when he had walked out on the waves. He didn't save Esther when she prayed, but he saved her when she entered the king's presence. He didn't save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when the king made the statue, but he saved them in the fire. And then most importantly, he didn't save you and me while Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He saved us when Jesus was on the cross. Jesus went to the cross to save you and me. And God will save you. But the beautiful thing is that he'll use your faith to save others. So don't let fear win. When fear sets in, you and I have to remember that God is faithful. So what fear, what fear is keeping you from following God today? What is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to say? Where is God calling you to go? Is God calling you to stay right where you are, even though it's a difficult situation? Be faithful even when life is scary. You see, God doesn't truly show up until we put ourselves in a place of fear that needs faith. And so if you want to see the power of God today, it's time to stop running and admit what God's calling you to do. Fear freezes and faith moves. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.